0: Hi, and welcome to episode three of Connecting the Stage, a three-episode podcast event where I will be talking to different artists about their life and work here in Penang. I am your host, Alison Chung. Today's episode was so much fun to film because I got to talk to Fa Abdul. Fa Abdul is the general manager of Penang Pack, a columnist with Malaysia Kini. A researcher and scriptwriter for Children TV RTM, an author, a social media activist, a media trainer, and a photographer. She has done it all. So, before I bring Fa in, I would like to remind the audience that episode 1 and 2 are already out on Spotify and Anchor. So, if you haven't listened to it yet, please do. Episode 1 talks about me, <laughs> and why I started this podcast and what it is for. And episode two is an interview much like this one, but with Charity Young, who is a performer. So I am so excited for this episode. Let's get started. Welcome, Fa. It's such an honor to have you here today. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. Um, when I Decided on this project, you were actually the first person I thought of, so I am so grateful to have you here today. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Alison. The pleasure is all mine.
0: So, this interview will be about your experience as a playwright in Penang and your involvement in the industry. So, what I first want to know is what was the catalyst for your involvement in this industry? Has it always been something you wanted to do?
1: Well, writing has always been something that I was I'm passionate about. You know, I started writing when I was 13 years of age. My dad bought me an old used typewriter and said, type away, whatever you think, whatever your thoughts are, just type away. And, you know, then class with my mom's ability to be a great storyteller. So storytelling and also typing. So yeah, writing came quite naturally to me. And my involvement in theatre, uh, it started in 2012 when I joined Short and Sweet Kuala Lumpur. And that opened up a whole new world. I mean, you know, I was already interested in writing and then I was also doing script writing for children's show in RTM. And then I started writing articles for columns. And this was just another way of, you know, sharing my opinions and doing a different form of storytelling. So, I was captivated by what theatre can do, you know? Whatever that we can put on a theatre space and then how we can uh, share our mindset with people and then encourage dialogue of any subject matters that we wish to. That was just amazing. And once I did that in Short and Sweet, um, I knew, I knew it was it was where I wanted to be.
0: Oh, that's a nice story. So, you said 2012, right? So you've been in this industry for almost 10 years. How much has it changed since you started?
1: Okay, I, I feel that um, the progress has been rather slow because first of all, theatre, you know, the culture of going to theatre, it's, it's not really our culture, you know. I mean, of yeah. course, we had uh, Wayang kool and, you know, all those, uh, you know, traditional kind of theaters that we had in back in the old days but having a performance performing art center and having people go and pay tickets that are almost double or triple of what they used to pay in the cinemas to watch a live performance is not really a concept that many people share as such you know although we have a theater going community the community is quite small and so for it to progress i feel we need to reach you know a bigger amount of uh, Community members to really support the theatre, uh, but having said that, it's great to have uh, many young people, young blood in the um, theatre uh, groups who are joining theatre these days. Thanks to theatre clubs, you know, uh, in schools, um, and so much so, it's great that they are coming on board and they are experimenting with different kinds of theatres, which is just you know making the seen more colorful so in that sense it is developing but in the sense of you know having a bigger following a bigger patron of the art I think you know we we still need to struggle to make our base even solid
0: mm. and I know that places like Penang Pak try to incorporate local schools and have classes and I do believe it's a huge part of arts education here in Penang so What's your take on arts education and how should schools put more emphasis on it?
1: I, I feel that arts education makes, uh, or rather creates a wholesome individual. I mean, when you go to school and you are exposed to all these academics, you know, um, that a lot of do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. A lot of list of limitation is, uh, you know, uh, part of that process. What arts education teaches you is to, to do what you want to do, to say what you want to say, you know? And that actually um, um, is, is a concept that is so fascinating to me because I'm also a product of our national public school and associated with so many things that you can do and you cannot do, you know? But when, when you're exposed to arts education, you are encouraged to speak up, to, to say what's on your mind, to have a discussion you know, uh, where nothing is correct, and sorry, nothing is wrong. Everything is correct, you know, And, and that actually builds confidence. And I feel that is why many parents these days, you know, they are very, very excited about arts education because they know the value of it. You know, it creates a wholesome individual. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I really agree with that. I was really shy when I was like seven before I started at Penang pack I started classes there and I really believe it helped me um, express myself and gave me a lot of the confidence I still carry with me today it's
1: it's, it's not only um, you know uh, about young people in arts who are taking up arts mm-hmm. education even when I have rehearsals you know with my actors uh, you know newcomers in the uh, in the theater world, um, they are quite fascinated with the whole process. And, you know, I, I can say that almost 99 or even 100%, every one of them, you know, at the end of the process, they'll be like, wow, I didn't know that was what theater is about. Because it changes your whole thinking. Being a part of a production, you know, rather than just being an audience, allows you to see the whole process you know and 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 it changes something inside you yeah
0: Yeah, that's so perfectly said i think it's so magical and there's something about theater that you cannot describe with words you have to experience it yourself firsthand so i do want to get into your work in this industry now You have written and directed so many amazing projects, including a show I did with you in 2019 that you directed. So I was wondering if you could talk about your past projects or maybe you could talk about your favorite project
1: that stands out. Uh, The one that is so close to my heart and the one that I've learned a lot from would definitely be my first production in 2013 called In a Nutty Shell. Uh, It's also the only production so far that I've restaged uh, two times. So we staged it in KL Pack and then we restaged it in PJ Life Arts and then we restaged it again in Penang Pack. So um, being a newbie, not knowing the process and having to ask every single details you know things that people might think it's a silly question but you just want to learn you know so you go out and you ask so i produced that i wrote that um i co-directed with a friend and um yeah and and basically we did everything ourselves um and also for the set and for the costumes and everything it was it was a small group every, every doing everything so uh, i think i learned a lot from that and mostly because Um, as a first show, I wasn't really expecting much from the audience. It was more like an experimental thing, you know. It's like, oh, I I have an idea. So I wrote this thing. So we've directed this and we just wanted to test the water to see if people would enjoy my kind of, you know, uh, style. And then we were fully sold out. That's amazing. I was was shocked. I was shocked. It was fully sold out. And uh, because we didn't have much money, we had to stage it in in Indicini, which is, you know, uh, one of the smallest uh, black box area in Kelpak, where there's no proper stage. It's just like a room with a bunch of chairs and, you know, an empty uh, front area. Mm -hmm. So people couldn't see what was happening in front. And instead of complaining, everyone stood up for almost two hours just to see. And at one time, this, you know, elderly lady started coughing and had asthma attack because she was laughing too much. (laughs) She had to walk towards the back of the room, take out her, you know, inhaler. Yeah, And then, you know, after pumping a few times, I thought she was going back, but she just stood there and continued laughing and watching. And that actually gave me that confidence that there will be people who are enjoying to watch something different, always so close to my heart.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's such a fun story. I'm sure you must have felt really good as a newbie, as a newcomer in this industry and getting such an amazing response. Um, do you have any other stories like this?
1: This story would be you know, in, uh, inspiring for many uh, people out there who've, who've always wanted to be uh, in theatre but you know, never seemed to get a chance to do that. Um, this uh, my lead character for Tales from Amma's Kitchen, Auntie Narinda. When I met her, she was uh, 68, 69 years old. And um, she loves theater. Her last uh, participation in any theater production was when she was 16 years of age. That was like donkey years ago. Okay. And then uh, she she got into her studies, she got married, she had her career, she had to bring up her children, her grandchildren, so years just passed by. And then she was in her late 60s and she started having a lot of time in her hands and, you know, uh, came back to watch a lot of theatres and remembered how much she loved it. And then she thought, okay, you know what the heck, I'll just try to audition if the role fits me. And she got a... A, a, a call it back a callback for uh, Shakespeare goes Bollywood which uh, I did back in 2016 I think okay Shakespeare goes basically Shakespeare goes Bollywood tells the story of um assuming that Shakespeare was actually an Indian guy, an Indian storyteller you know um who was reincarnated from the real Shakespeare. So lots of dancing. A lot of dancing, a lot of singing. <laughs> so it was a fun comedy piece, you know, which mm-hmm. which made all Shakespeare tales become a masala, uh, a mix match. Yeah. So anyway, Auntie Narinda played uh, uh, a supporting role. And just six months later, I casted her again to play the lead role for Tales from Amma's Kitchen. And that was the first lead role that she had played in her entire life, okay. So at sixty nine, she finally got the break that she wanted, and the poster only had her face on, and and it was also a sold out show even before we had our opening night. Wow. Every single one who came, the audience who came, stayed after the show to take pictures with her, and you know she was, she was just blown out. know by the whole experience so that's the thing it's it's always never too late it's all about you know what you want and you going after what you want if theater is where you're passionate about that you have to put yourself out there to find a role that you know matches you
0: yeah definitely and her story is so motivating is she still performing Does she
1: still act? Right now, because of the pandemic and everything, she has gone back to Australia to be with the children. So she's taking a break. But, you know, I'm still waiting for her to come back because her talent is just unbelievable. She's a natural.
0: Aw, she sounds amazing. I hope to be able to watch a show she's in in the future. Well, this leads me to my next question, which is where do you find inspiration for writing? Does it take long or do you just sit down and magically produce a script in your hands like straight overnight?
1: Ah, uh, That's a really difficult question because um, I don't really have a process. Okay. I, just, I just write what I want to write. You know, For example, as I mentioned just now, Tales from Oma's Kitchen uh, is a two-and-a-half-hour show uh, which actually originated from a 10-minute short, short and sweet play that I submitted, uh, which is called uh, Amas Mutton Curry. Um, that piece I actually uh, sat down uh, thinking, what am I going to send, you know, as a submission for short and sweet, because I had only 15 minutes before the deadline. And that piece I wrote it in approximately eleven or twelve minutes. What?
0: No way. Did it place like an award for short and
1: sweet? Yeah, it 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 was it was uh it was for short and sweet penang. It got into short and sweet penang and it actually s- swept clean most of the award yeah Auntie Norinda played the mother's role as well and she won best actor and uh the 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 actor who was playing her son you know won the best supporting actor best script, best director you know audience choice award so we just swept clean everything so you know back to your question that's the process you know it's like um some some writers have process. They they like to organize everything and they like to think it over, do their research, you know, and, and sort of mind map the whole storyboard and everything. Mm-hmm. But as for me, I don't have that process. I just sit down and maybe I just have a theme in my mind and following that theme, I just I don't know, I just write. Oh, so your writing is quite spontaneous. And I feel that after the first few minutes of writing, the character sort of just carries on that conversation and the story, and it's it's no longer me writing, but the characters write their own stories.
0: Ooh, speaking of characters writing their own stories, how I was wondering, how often do you let your actors change
1: the script and improvise? As a director, okay, as usually, um, writers don't like people to change what they've written, okay, because scripts tend to be their babies and you don't, you don't mess with my babies. <laughs> that's that's uh, what most writers feel like. But uh, having been a writer and then putting on a director's hat, um, I, I learned it through the hard way that um, you cannot mix the two business together. When you're writing, you're a writer and then full stop. And then your role changes and then you become a director. And as a director, you have to take certain actions to make the play even better, right? You cannot get attached to the script that has already been written. So as a director, I usually allow all my actors to have fun with the script. If whatever that's written doesn't really resonate with them, and they feel that the character that they have already worked out in their mind wouldn't actually be saying things, you know, as it's written. I give them the freedom to change it, you know. And making scripts flexible in such a way also, I feel, allows a lot of chemistry development between actors. And, um, and when they make the script to be their own, they feel this sense of belonging, you know, like, this is now our baby together. You know, it's not only the writer's baby. It's now our baby, you know. So as such, they, they really put in more effort into making that production a success. And so far, having allowed everyone to play around with scripts and being flexible and changing things as we f- see fit, I think, you know, uh, for me, actually, it, it really works. You know, that really works. And when we put... Up the show, uh, audience usually feel uh, it's so natural. They don't really see actors acting but they see, you know, actors telling a story and a story that is very much their own. Yeah.
0: Ooh, okay, I did not know that you let your actors do that. That's amazing because sometimes the more natural it is, the more an actor feels like they can acted out if it's even just a slight sentence change i really think it changes the show a lot so that's really cool but sometimes you also can't let the actors change stuff like you know sometimes it's part of the show but that's really that's a cool insight i do want to talk about something that affected you, me, and many others greatly, which is COVID-19, the pandemic. So a lot of shows were about to play in 2020 when the world shut down. And I did write this question out before the government allowed theaters to open at half capacity. So your answer might be different now. But could you talk a little bit about your work with helping to keep Penangpak afloat and how have they been affected by the pandemic?
1: Okay, the thing is, um, I have been a freelance uh, theatre practitioner for many, many years. Uh, I've come back from Kuala Lumpur back to Penang, my hometown, in 2017. So um, since then, I've been staging many shows at Penang Pact. But um, in early 2020, I saw an advertisement looking for um, publicity and marketing manager for Penang Peg. So then I wondered, hmm, okay, wouldn't this be interesting? Perhaps I have something to contribute to Penang Peg. So I went for interview and I was accepted and my... Uh, starting date was actually 1st of April which I made fun because haha it's April Fool you know so the first day I go to work and everyone's like haha you're not hired actually you know that kind of silly thing but it actually backfired because it was haha because in March we were hit with COVID-19 yeah. you know and feeding back uh, was affected
0: Ooh, they got you when they needed you the most That's so, that must be such a different experience.
1: Yeah, you know, it's surprising many people have told me that, that, you know, you arrived in Phnom at the right time. Yeah, so, yeah, so the the whole journey, sometimes when I think about it, it's it's quite uh, uh, confusing because I really wanted to do a lot. In Penang I mean, putting up shows and programs and everything. But because of the pandemic, many things we were not able to do. Uh, and to answer your question just now, um, we actually had to cancel or postpone um, a lot of shows. In 2020, we had to postpone about 28 shows, if I'm not mistaken.
0: That's a lot of money lost.
1: Right. Yes, a lot of money lost not only because of the shows because of we we lose in um, rental of the space we lose because of the academic classes that gets cancelled the rental of the studios yeah yeah, you know everything was affected including our internal productions you know so we, we suffered couldn't you know able to sell the tickets and, and earn from the income so um in 2021 it just became much worse because um we had uh, very close to 30 shows being canceled or postponed. Mm. Uh, yeah, which is which is really, really um difficult because Penangpack is already a nonprofit uh organization. And at the top of it, we have people that who are you know depending on Pin and not being able to pay salary, not being able to pay you know the the uh, amount that we owe people is very very difficult you know to uh, to handle um, but we are glad that we got the support that we had from the public I mean donation has been great from people it has not been enough to you know to to keep to sustain us but we are very thankful to people who wanted to help us and that just proves that you know we have so much support. We, we have people who really want to see us being around for a long time, and that really means a lot. And uh, I, I, I'd like to think that because of the support that we've been receiving from the public, uh, it has encouraged governments to also support us, uh, which is the reason that we are still, you know, um, being able to sustain ourselves until now, because uh, if you remember, um, we had posted a uh, uh, a note on our social media saying that our survival might end by August 2021 because oh. really we didn't have money. You know, the money that we had was only until August 2021. But then, you know, more people, yeah. yeah, more people donated and more help came through you know and and now it's like okay we can survive until january 2022 so every six months yes you know so so it's 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 quite it's quite uh, a struggle i would say because as a company as any company you know you would have to project what you'll be doing you know for the next one to two years but here we are thinking about how to survive you know the next one two months which is really bad yeah but um what makes us breathe a bit better is knowing that we are not the only one who are hit by the pandemic. Many other sectors, many other uh, industries are going through it too. So um, our road to recovery would be um, as a family, together, you know, doing something together. Um, I remember our Group general manager Ian Chao uh, advised us in one of the meetings. He said, as much as as much as people are donating to support the arts, uh, as the staff member, we should also choose something to support. Whatever that you can support with, do it, you know. Uh, so for me personally, um uh, financially I'm not stable too because of the so many salary cuts that we had to endure in Penangpak. So for me, the the one charity that I can do is actually support all the Grab drivers who deliver my food. So for every uh, food items that I order, I actually give a tip of at least 10%. That is what I'm capable of, you know. So that is that is my uh, the way I support people who are affected by the pandemic and I hope that you know anyone even you and also everyone who's listening you know to do the same because uh, I feel the, the satisfaction that you feel out of helping someone who is uh, affected by the pandemic is just really great you know so now when people say hi Fa I would like to donate for this month for Penang Pack And when I'm accepting their money and thanking them, I feel good knowing that I'm also doing that for another charity of my choice.
0: Wow, that's a really nice thing you're doing. And also to all the people who have donated to Penang Pack, that is also very valuable. And your support definitely means a lot to everyone in the industry. So is Penang still at risk of shutting down
1: the risk is always there it's it's great that the government has already allowed uh, 50% of you know capacity but that's but a loss terms,
0: right that's
1: a... it is it is a loss it is a loss i mean you know um first of all it also comes with a very tight sop um only those with uh, two doses uh, complete vaccination would be allowed to participate on stage be cruised and also allowed to come and watch the show. You know, that already limits people who would be able to come. And not to mention, there will be many people who are still not comfortable to come, you know, which we can't blame them, you know. Everyone should be uh, very cautious about their social involvement. Um, and uh, on top of that, even on a regular day, pre-pandemic, it's very difficult for us to have a full house show. Yeah, in Penang Pack, you know, and putting it together now during pandemic, it will be even harder. Yeah, and also, um, you know how Penangites are, you know, it's, it's always uh, the question of can I get a bit of discount? You know, it's always yeah. what, what you usually say. And so, you know, you go to Istana Budaya, you go to KLPAC, and you can still uh, see the tickets going 50, 60, 70, or in Istana Budaya, you owe even, you know, above 100 ringgit. Penang is slow. It is 35 ringgit, and people are still like, it's 35 ringgit, oh, so expensive, lah, you know?
0: Right. It's no different to a really. Fancy meal at a restaurant or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and yeah. I mean, you know, we already charge very low for the tickets because we want to encourage people to come and watch theater. And now having only 50% sitting capacity that cuts it in half. Now, technically speaking, to cover the losses, we have to double the price of our tickets which we can't do because if we double the price, no one will come and watch. As it is, people are already financially struggling, you know. And so that leaves us with a big question mark. What are we supposed to do? How do we bring people to come back and to watch? Which is why at this moment, we are still considering what we should do. So we are moving very slowly. The next step is um, to do recordings in our stage and then put it on online. Uh, and then see how it goes, how things improve. Because uh, frankly speaking, also many of our staff are not fully vaccinated yet. Not many, I would say a few are not fully vaccinated yet. Uh, and so we need to buy some time to you know to really be prepared to uh pick up from where we left and then continue with our live performances. Yeah. But uh, I foresee things to be very slow at the moment. Uh, people are still very cautious. I mean, you know, people have no qualms to go dine in, you know, take off their mask and eat and drink and chat and sit there for one and a half hours. But then definitely coming to a theater space where they will definitely be in their facial mask for a longer time and not taking it out for dining or whatever, but still they would feel unsafe. I mean, I guess, you know, psychologically, that's that's, that's how the thinking is. Yeah. Mm, so yeah. it will be a, a slow process towards recovery, but hopefully it is a process of recovery.
0: I hope so too. And on the previous episode of this podcast, Charity Young was here and we talked about how KLPAC Put shows online they filmed it and they put it online do you think it has helped
1: in raising funds um not really um because if you look at the shows that we've put online the tickets are basically 10 ringgit 15 ringgit and 20 ringgit they don't go anything more than 20 ringgit because we know people are struggling you know it's covid many people don't have work people are trying to you know, hold on to what they have, minimize their, their their expenditures. So we want to make it affordable for everyone. So we've we've kept our ticket prices very very low, and not only that, in the beginning we uh had a, a pay per view uh sessions. You know, it's like, um, it's just like theater. Uh, you you buy tickets for that specific show, and then you watch, and then that's it. You know, but then we listened to our patrons who were quite, uh, um, um, who who were quite clear when they said that they really wish that we had a show for a longer duration of time, so people can actually you know come and watch in their own sweet time. You know, so we changed our method to instead of okay, we have three shows, which shows you want to watch, we changed it to okay, you buy the show now and you can watch it from now until thirty-first of December. You can even watch it multiple times.
0: Wow. That that sounds like going to the library but theater version. Yeah, and,
1: and keep it with you and you know and sharing it with everyone staying in your house. And, you know, just hoping that they don't share it with their friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we are doing so many different methods to make it, to make theatre accessible for our patrons. Uh, and that's the most, that's the main um, focus for us to put shows online so that uh, our followers have something to watch and their cravings for theatre would be fixed. Yeah. But um as much as income, um not so much. Uh but yeah, but 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 definitely they do support. People do support and we are happy with that. Yeah. But yeah, we, we cannot sustain ourselves just depending on the online platform shows.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. But also it's quite cool to be to have technology be this great that you can watch shows online, you can put them online and people can watch and people can pay and support. Because many years ago, this wouldn't even be a thing, right? (laughs) Anyway, we are near the end of this episode, but I still have a few questions for you. One of which is, being in an industry where you are challenged daily and always critiqued must be hard. So I was wondering if you could share about the biggest challenge you have faced in this industry and how did you overcome it?
1: (laughs) Okay, the biggest challenge would definitely be when I was uh, staging sex in Georgetown City.
0: Oh, I remember that.
1: (laughs) We we had a group of protesters who thought that we were actually going to stage uh, pornographic materials on stage. And although after we explained it to them, they just, you know, did were not wishing to listen to it. And I even invited them to come and watch the show so that they can see what's actually happening. Uh, but no, they were not interested. They were more interested in having the protest. So anyway, to um, silence them, I changed the title of the show to Love in Georgetown City because, you know, I thought they were triggered by the word sex. So didn't, didn't do any difference. The protest still continued. Um, we had police officers come down to Penangpak. Uh, we had uh, members of the city councils coming down to Penangpak wow. from the licensing department coming down to Penangpak. So it was a big headache because I was the producer and the director And the writer And I was in the middle of putting up a show And then there I was having to explain to these officers And running to the police station Because a police report had been made against me For trying to, you know, (laughs) tarnish the image of Penang
0: But it's just a comedy I got to watch it And I think it was really funny It was just a comedy
1: Thank you But that's the thing, you know uh, I thought everything was solved When we continued with our opening night but um, yeah, so uh, on, no, on the opening night, it was still Love at Georgetown City. And when we were having the show, we had uh, undercover, undercover police officers around and they actually were um, with the technical crew and also among the audience. And even before that, they checked our uh, contents and our video recordings from full dress rehearsal just to give us an okay, you know, uh, green light to go because it does not have any pornographic materials. Um, but then while we were staging the show, there's, there was a lot of commotion happening outside. So groups uh, of protesters came straight after their uh, prayers at the mosque and straight came to Penangpak and started, you know, pulling our posters and making a big buhah that, we had to, you know, uh, close our shutters. And after the first great opening night and you know, selling out all our tickets throughout the show, we were informed by the police that it will be good for us to take a rest for a while because the protesters were planning to come again the next day and the next day and the next day. So we had no choice but to give refund to everyone and uh, take a break for two months and then we came back uh, as Rebound. Why Rebound? Because even the selection of the name was uh, asked to be given to the police first for them to endorse it. Okay, (laughs) because my first idea was, you know, Sex in Georgetown City. Okay, I'll change the title to No Sex in Georgetown City. Would that make them happy? But yeah. So finally it was rebounded. Yeah. Yeah. No protesters the second time around.
0: (laughs) That's such a challenge. Like normally someone's challenge would be so little, but yours involved the police. And like,
1: wow. All the cast members were really, really affected, you know, because they 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 really came for rehearsals, did a fantastic job, spent two months of their lives, you know. And then some of the cast members uh, were Muslims. And so when their friends and their family members found that they were part of, you know, this show called Sex in Georgetown City, which the protesters were claiming to be pornographic, you know, they had to face those lashes too. You know, so it was difficult for them and it was difficult for me. And yeah, so, but I feel that it's right now thinking back at it, you know, it's an experience. It's an experience that makes you stronger. It's it's an experience that makes you think I can do whatever I want to do. I've gone through that, you know, I've gone through that. So I can do anything. Yeah. Yeah, you can. (laughs) Well, that's one thing that I learned about theater is, you know, people are different. Some people like you. Some people don't like you. And that's perfectly fine. You know, different people have different tastes. I have audiences who came to me and said, oh, it was okay. Not a big deal. It was okay. And I had audiences who came to me and said, oh my God, that was fantastic. That was hilarious. I'm going to come again tomorrow. You know, but it's fine. Different people have, you know, uh, different tastes and preferences. Um, I've had my share of negative reviews for as long as I can remember. I know there were many theatre reviewers who just don't like uh, my style of theatre. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's perfectly fine too, you know. But I would just like to say that um, in the world of theatre, there is place for everyone. Just like there is a, a role for every actor out there, there is also... Um, a place for every type of writers, every type of directors, every type of, you know, theater making. So yeah, you just have to choose who, what kind of theater that you like and just continue supporting them.
0: Yeah, well said. And this marks the end of the interview. But before that, I do have one last question and it is, how can the public support you and other creators in this industry during the pandemic? And also, how can the public support Penang Pak during this pandemic and maybe even after the pandemic?
1: I would like to thank anyone who wish to support me as an artist. Uh, and I would uh, hope that uh, if you support me as an artist or you support any other artists out there, please do consider making a donation to Penang Pack or KL PEC or any performing arts centre who are struggling out there because, you know, the, the story of these artists such as myself always begins in a performing arts centre. Without a performing arts centre, there will be no artist who would be born. I associate all my... Uh, creation and I associate all my upbringing in the world of theatre to KLPAC, which is the biggest reason that I got involved in PenangPAC, because PenangPAC and KLPAC are brother-sister kind of performing arts centre, right? Yeah, so without the um, nurturing that I received in KLPAC, and without the opportunity that I received in KLPAC, I wouldn't be doing all the things that I've been doing. At the moment. Yeah. So if you want to support me, if you want to support any artist, support any performing arts center that you know are struggling to survive.
0: So how can the listeners at home donate to Penangpak?
1: Uh just go to uh, social media to Pack social media, facebook.com slash Pack or Facebook.com slash the Pack and all the information, you know, of the bank details are there. You just have to do an online transfer.
0: Yes, thank you, Fa. I really hope the people at home consider a donation to Penang Pack because I really think it's vital to help keep the industry alive, especially in Penang Pack. And even not in Penang Pack, you can donate to KL Pack or any other performing arts center you think needs help. So before I let you go, Fa, do you have any shows or upcoming events that you want to promote?
1: I have so many shows that I wanted to bring forward, but due to the pandemic everything has put on hold. So the next time you hear there's a Far Abdul's production coming on, most probably, you know, when the cases has dropped let find time to come to watch, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, and maybe we can talk and we can spend a few minutes chatting about, you know, uh, theatre. Yeah, who knows?
0: Yes, and I really recommend your shows. They're all so amazing and so funny and it's so fun to watch. Yeah.
1: Thank yeah. you, Alison.
0: Yeah, so thank you, Fa, for spending your time speaking to me. I thought I knew about theatre here in Penang before speaking to you, but you have opened my eyes so much and I can't wait to see your work back on stage and in theatre soon. So thank you, Fa. Thanks, Alison. Wow, that was such a fun interview. I had so much fun talking to Fa. So this unfortunately marks the end of connecting the stage. I am very sad. Because this has been such a fun platform and medium for me to talk to different artists about their work. So I really hope that you are now more aware and grateful for the arts. And that you understand that arts is a medium for many people to express themselves. And it's such an engaging and tight-knit community. And I really love it. And I hope you have a newfound appreciation for the arts. So for the last time, my name is Ellison and this has been Connecting the Stage.